I just want to say it is such a blessing to be able to be here to talk to you girls again this year. Uh, last year when I uh, did the forum on um, the low self-esteem, when I looked out at the audience, I just saw all you lovely girls with such compassion on your faces and um, even tears and almost all of you, you know, you said you could relate to the topic. and. Um, Last year we talked about um, that God has a purpose for each of us. And um, through this last year, the different church events that I've been able to go to, so many of you have come up to me and given me hugs and said that you've um, you know, learned something. And um, I've just been praying for you girls through the last year that God would really show you your worth in Christ and um, that you would find true fulfillment through him. And um, this year, I want to take the step, I want it to go a little bit deeper. And I prayed that God would show me uh, what to talk to you girls about. And um, what happened was God showed me this topic by um, a, a few months ago, actually it was earlier in the year, I had a discussion with some um, older ladies. And one of the older ladies um, brought up the, the point, she said, do you really feel happy? Like, do you really feel content with where you're at in your life? And she was older and she said, you know, I have this thing that I just always think everybody else's life is better than mine. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like I'm not worth anything. I feel like I can't be used. And I see that everybody else has all these areas that they're being used in. And I just don't feel like I have any talents or gifts. And I thought, wow, you know, boy, that's, that's really sad. And why is that? Why does she feel like that? And, uh, and I thought, and at her age, like, that's really sad to get to that age. And I thought, this was something that I really wanted to share with you girls at a young age, to find true contentment in Christ. Because if you're not content, you won't be able to be used. You won't be able to shine. And I didn't want you just to go through life always wishing for the future and missing out on today. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with uh, two very brief stories of two different women. Uh, the one is Meredith. Many women would have liked to have traded lives with Meredith in an instant. Her life was far from tragic. She was blessed with good health, a petite figure that stayed that way without effort, a husband who loved her, two adorable children, and even new furniture that her husband had recently purchased to make her happy. I asked Meredith why she was so unhappy when God had given her so many good things. Without hesitation, she spouted off her complaints. First, God hadn't, give, God hadn't given her a house. She wanted her own home. She deserved it. And her husband, yes, he loved her, but she just hadn't realized his many faults. Yes, her children were adorable, but they were also negative and complaining. I didn't have to guess why. Meredith was like a horse with blinders on, only seeing the dirty road straight ahead. She never raised her gaze upward toward God or counted her blessings. And then there's Ella. Ella, along with her husband and children, Ella worked as a, as a missionary with the pygmies in Africa for 52 years. She had left her country, her family, and all that was familiar. Primitive doesn't begin to describe her living conditions in the scorching heat and the humidity of the African bush. But Ella found no relief because electricity, air conditioning, and other modern conveniences were only a dream. Some days it was so unbearably hot that she had to bring the thermometer inside the house because it couldn't register past 120 degrees without breaking. 
Ella's daughter Mimi is my friend. Mimi wondered how her mother had done it, how she had lived a life of contentment when her circumstances would have caused the hardiest of compl to complain. Recently, Mimi unearthed a treasure, a much more significant find than gold or silver. In an old diary of her mother's, she discovered Ella's prescription for contentment, and this is what she found in her journal. Number one, never allow yourself to complain about anything, not even the weather. Two, never picture yourself in any other circumstances or someplace else. Three, never compare your lot with another's. Four, never allow yourself to wish this or that had been otherwise. And last, never dwell on tomorrow. Remember that tomorrow is God's. It's not ours. Con the contentment begins with an eternal perspective. Okay, the perspective is the way that we see things. And um, often what we do is we look at our circumstances, the here and now, and we get really caught up in that. But God wants us to look at the eternal perspective. And that's what we learned last night. It's not just about here. Most of us base our contentment on our circumstances, on our feelings, or in other people. And Ella had a peace that was separate from her circumstances. So true contentment is completely separate from our circumstances. And it's a state of our heart. It's not about what's going on in our lives. How many women do you know that are really content? Um, you know, you could probably just name them on one hand. But if I would ask you, how many girls do you know that are always complaining about this or that, you know, or that they're single, you probably would know a lot of people. Contentment is rare, but it is possible. And the secret is in these verses. As I was praying about what to share to you girls, um, I opened up my study Bible, and it opened up to the book of Philippians. And um, the heading was Shining as lights in the world, and that was no coincidence that um, that's our theme. It was just amazing how God opened that up. And under that heading, it talked about um, that we are to do everything without complaining, without murmuring, without disputing, that we can be lights in this world. So if you think about it, if we go around complaining and being negative all the time, what kind of an example are we going to be to those around us? Nobody likes to hear people that whine and complain. They're going to say, well, aren't you a Christian? Like, what do you have to be happy about? And Apostle Paul's life really reflected um, a life of contentment. He said, I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. And he was, as we know, his life, um, he was uh, beaten. He was put in prison. Um, his friends forsake, forsook him. Um, he was misunderstood. He was shipwrecked. It can go on and on and on. And uh, if he learned how to be content, this means that we can learn how to be content too. So our challenge is not to be drawn away from God by our wants or our disappointments or our failures, but to learn how to be content. So let me ask you just a few questions. Just answer them to yourself. You know, how many of you like things to go your way? How many of you like to take control of your life? How many of you get anxious or upset when things don't go your way? How many of you have ever had things happen to you that you didn't plan and it really upset you? On the most part, life is going to be like that. We could plan our lives out to the smallest detail, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. We can take over and plan our lives instead of looking at what God has for us. And if we do that, 
if we keep on dwelling on what we want, we are going to have an anxious heart. We never are going to have that contentment. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.15, it says, God is the blessed controller of all things, the king over all kings and the master of all master. It's God. Um, Ella knew that. She knew that someone was in control, that was someone higher than herself. And uh, here's a verse that I really love, and this really helped me to put my life in perspective. When things go wrong, things don't go the way that they should, or if I look at other people and I think, wow, everything is going really good in their life. It seems like they have no problems, and it seems like their life is just so full of blessings. And when I came across this verse, it just, it was really amazing. And um, Psalm 16:5 says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. And what this means is God has given us each a portion in our life. That was planned. Okay, so the things that you go through, that was God's plan for you. And I'm going to read something called the teacup theology. God has lovingly assigned each of us to be a unique, special teacup. Perhaps you're an antique cup painted with dainty roses set in gold. Maybe we see ourselves as an everyday cup, useful, but a little chipped around the edges. Or we could be a heavy-duty mug, rugged, unbreakable, and able to hold much. Then God fills our cup with our portion of what he determines that is going to be best for us. Our portion is our physical and our emotional being, our abilities, our circumstances, our roles, and our relationships. Sometimes we don't like what's been poured into our cup. Even Jesus, when he prayed, he said, Lord, take this cup from me, if it be your will. We can either choose to grasp it by the handle and lift it, or we can lift it to God, saying, I accept my portion, I accept this cup. Or we can choose to smash our cup in pieces, saying, God, I refuse my portion. Sometimes we fail to trust God because we try too hard. We want to control everything in our life with our own strength, and we want it our way. Or we may be completely on the other end of the spectrum, and we just give up because we think that life is just way too hard. In both cases, we miss his infusion of strength that leads to contentment. So now we're going to look at the areas in our life specifically um, where we need to find contentment. And the first one is in our circumstances. Okay, everyone in this room um, has a different life. Whether you're in school, whether you're working, whether you're single, um, whether you're married, everyone has certain responsibilities. Um, you've got family situations that are all different. And most of us can categorize those situations in positives and negatives, okay? And later on, I'm going to give you a sheet, and what we're going to do to help make this a little bit more practical for you is I want you to list the circumstances that are in your life right now, what you are going through. And I know some of you are in school, and you're saying, oh, I really hate it. Um, or you've got a lot of negative things. But if we make positive and negative lists, um, that really helps. And we can focus on the positives and not on the negatives because every single situation that we are in in our life is going to have positives and negatives. Whether you're single, there are great positive things about that and there are some negative things about that. And same within marriage. If you're like many women, you can relate to a young bride I heard about 
Her life was not what she had hoped or expected. When she married her beloved, who was in the Marines, she thought that it would be romantic and exciting to live in foreign countries and travel the globe. But two years later, she was lonely and deeply discontented. She wrote a letter full of complaints to her mother. She had no friends, she couldn't speak the language, and figured it wasn't worth the effort to learn since they could be moved from one country to another at a moment's notice. Worst of all, her husband was never home. She ended with, I can't take this any longer. I'm coming home. She had written this to her mom. Her mother quickly sent a reply consisting of just two lines. There were two women. They looked through prison bars. One saw mud. The other saw stars. This wise woman was telling her the daughter to, the secret to contentment. Each of us has a choice about the way that we're going to look at life. We can either focus on the mud or we can lift our eyes and we can see the stars. Every woman has circumstances that appear to be prison bars at times. And God wants you and me to learn to be content in the circumstance, not when it's going to improve. So how is this possible? The first thing is we discussed um, Paul's amazing statement about how he learned to be content. And he goes on to describe two parts in the contentment process. And our part is first that we need to pray specifically. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to present our requests to God. So we need to Pray about that to God. Bring it to him. Don't go whining and complaining to your friends or your family or just um, be constantly upset about it. Turn to God and thank him for the circumstance that he has put you in. Um, Take it as a blessing. Thank him. Say, I really am not happy about what's going on right now, but I'm going to trust you with this. And secondly, God's part in, in that is he promises in Philippians 4, 7, he says, the peace of God will come upon you. That is a promise if we do, if we turn to him. Sometimes it's a real struggle, and we have to just keep going to him, sometimes over and over again. But we can say, Lord, here I am again. I'm still struggling with this. Please help me to accept this circumstance, and um, help me to just accept your will. So it is our thought life. We can learn this. It is a practice. As it says, I have learned. So every time we start thinking negatively and dwelling on those negative things, we can just shift our minds and say, thank you, Lord, and be thankful with our whole hearts with the situation that he has put us in. So we've learned that we need to be content in our circumstance. The second one is we need to learn to be content to be me. Okay, and Psalm 139 tells us that God knew us before we were even born. Even before your mother knew that you were going to be coming, God knew you. Okay, and it says, another verse that he says, he said, God fashioned you with awe and wonder. And um, another verse says that you were skillfully wrought when I was made in secret. The word in Hebrew for wrought translates to mean embroidered. And um, as a weaver who intricately, who intricately embroiders, embroiders colors together to create a beautiful tapestry, we learned last night um, when um, Elsa shared her testimony that she is a masterpiece. And I was so glad when she said that because it goes with what I'm trying to share with you today. Um, God said he even knows our thoughts. He shaped your personality. He shaped your body. He shaped your emotional makeup. Okay, uh, David praised God because he was wonderfully and fearfully made. 
sometimes we don't thank God for even our very personality. Uh, Carol was an introvert, and she was a behind-the-scenes type of lady. She's a she was self-conscious about her shyness, and she stayed away from groups as much as possible. She even misses church often because she hates it when the congregation has to mingle. Carol longs for her friend Sally's exuberance. Sally is always at ease in social situations. Because Carol constantly compares her personality to those of the Sallys of this world, she has missed her own individual beauty. She has no idea why God created her. She hasn't even stopped to ask him. She's too busy focusing on what she isn't instead of focusing on what God has given her. Perhaps you're like that a little bit too. Perhaps I am. Sometimes we look at others and we see the beauty that they have and we completely miss out and we aren't used because we think, well, they're being used in this way. I could never do that. So we don't even try. We just give up. As Christian we, women, we do know that the values of our North American culture is on beauty are twisted. Yet, it's so easy to get caught up in that deadly disease of, disease of comparison. According to Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. When we're not pleased with our talents, our gifts, our abilities that God has given us, what we're really saying is, God, I don't trust you with my life. I really loved what um, Elsa did say last night. And what I want to talk about is our frame. And our frame, if, you, if we can just picture our life as a picture frame. And the frame is, consists of your personality. Okay, everyone has different personality um, and you've got different physical characteristics, personality characteristics. You've been given different gifts and abilities. And all of these are to be used for God's glory. And um, it's probably no news to anyone that many women, instead of thanking God for their frame that he's given, we, we spend so much tr time trying to change that. Here's a story about such a woman. Rachel was not satisfied with the frame that God had built for her. She was sure her physical and emotional disabilities, her lack of abilities, were a cross that she had to bear. She wished that she could choose another frame. One night as she slept, she dreamt that she was led to a place where many frames lay, frames of all sizes and shapes. She discovered a beautiful frame inlaid with jewels and gold. On this one, oh, this one will be perfect for me, she cried. So Rachel hung the heavy jeweled frame over her body. The gold and jewels were beautiful, but far too heavy for her, and she collapsed beneath the weight of it. Next, Rachel found a lovely frame with delicate flowers entwined around its sculpted form. This was surely the one to fit her perfectly. Hurriedly, she lifted it, but beneath the flowers were piercing thorns that torn her flesh. Wasn't there a frame just right for her? She came to a plain frame, no jewels, no delicate flowers, yet something attracted her to it. She picked it up and hung it over her, and it proved a perfect fit. As she looked on the frame encircling her, she recognized it as the one that God had originally created for her. Does someone else's frame look more inviting than yours? Maybe you envy someone else whose frame is studded with jewels or decked with flowers. Maybe you like their personality or their looks better than like you like your own. Pray that God will enable you to see the wisdom behind the way that he has framed you. So as we see, our life is that frame. And the picture that God is going to paint, that masterpiece, is your life and what you allow God to do with that life. It's not the things that you're doing, 
Okay, sometimes we get so caught up with, we think we need to be accomplishing so much. But the Bible says that God wants to see our heart. Okay, so our picture at the end of our life should be something that is going to be a masterpiece that we can actually, um, God can be, God can just shine through us in that masterpiece. Last of all, we need to learn to be content with our role. Roles, our role is the responsibility that God has given us. First of all, we have our circumstances, we have our frame, and then he blesses us with different responsibilities and roles. And every one of you have those. And what some of your roles might be are, are you God's child? Are you a member of the church? Are you a wife? Are you a daughter? Are you a mother, a daughter-in-law, a sister, a sister-in-law, a cousin, an aunt, a neighbor, a friend, um, a pianist? What are the talents that you have? Are you great at sports? Whatever those are, those are your abilities. And God will be able to use you if you're willing to. Most of you in here are single. Are you content with that role of being single? A pastor from a very large church, um, he, was, he noticed that many of the married women in his church were not happy. They were very discontent. So he went over and he talked to the singles pastor. And he asked him, like, you know, do you have a problem with the, with the young people in your church with discontent? He said, definitely. He said, I have so many people that I am counseling every week. They are just biding time, waiting for Mr. Wright to come along, that they're not even being used. Mr. Wright may never come along. That might not be what God has planned for you. And if we just keep on waiting for that to happen or keep wishing that our life is different, we can't be used. So what's wrong with us? It's ironic that single women look at married women and they wish for a husband. Married women look at their husbands and wish for different ones. Childless women look, look for children and mothers long for the day when their kids will be in school. Is it ever possible to be content with your role in the here and now? Most of us do have roles, and we're going to also write those roles on our worksheet as well. I'm going to share with you about Elizabeth Elliot. She was known to have many roles. She was in love, and she really wanted to get married. And, um, but after she finished her university for four years, she was still single. And then after she graduated from college, she was finally married, and she was sure that it was going to be forever. Two years and three months later, she had a new role. She was a widow. For 14 years, she was single again. God surprised her with the second husband, and the role of wife became hers again, this time for six years. Then once again, she was a widow. She was amazed when God brought her a third husband. Elizabeth has played all her roles gracefully because she believes that each role is a gift from God. And we need to look at that as well, too. Every stage that we are in is a gift from God. It's a responsibility that he has entrusted you with, and he wants you to shine in that role. How, you ask, can widowhood or singleness be a gift? Elizabeth answered, At age 23, God gave me the gift of singleness. At age 27, the gift of marriage. At age 29, the gift of widowhood. I was not a wife anymore. I was a widow. Another assignment. Another gift. Don't imagine for a moment that was the thought that occurred to me the instant that the word of my husband's death came. Oh, Lord, was probably all that I could think, stunned as I was. 
One step at a time over the years as I sought to plumb the mystery of suffering, I began to see that there is a sense in which everything is a gift. Even my widowhood, I can say that I found peace. I do not say that I wasn't lonely. It was terribly. And I did not say, I won't say that I did not grieve. I did, sorely. But peace of the sort that this world cannot give comes, not by the removal of suffering, but in another way, through acceptance and through turning to the Lord for our situation. All roles are different. Every role that we are in has its challenges. Married people know the challenges of making their marriages work. Singles know the challenges of loneliness. But we have to come to terms with every role that we, are, that we have. Singles can choose to serve others. You don't have to be married before you can give to others. Mothers can nurture their children and cherish the time that they have with them instead of waiting for the day that they're gone. If we want to be content, we must make the choice to dwell on the positive aspects of the role in our life right now. If we don't, we will be discontent. We'll always be wanting something different than what we've been given. And it goes back to our positive and negative list that we're going to make later. So what will our focus be on? What is God's standard or evaluation for the roles that he's put in in our lives? He doesn't expect us to be perfect or to be successful. All this God wants us to do is to be faithful in those roles that he's given us. These roles are a trust that he has given to us. If you are a daughter, you can be an amazing daughter to your parents. If you're a sister, you can reach out. That is a whole ministry. If you're a cousin, most of you have so many people in your lives that you can touch in an incredible way. Look at these roles and it's an honor. They really are. If you, you're a student, sometimes you have, you're able to talk to your teachers. You're able to talk to many other students. Don't just isolate your life and just think, oh, my life is just such a drag right now. I hate being here. Take those roles as a great responsibility, as a trust from God, as an honor from God, and use them. And that goes for the talents that you have as well. If you can you know, play a musical instrument, if you're great with people, whatever it is, pray and seek God's wisdom and how you can be used and be used. Don't just sit back and bury your talents. So part one was we learned to be content in our circumstances and um, with the frame that we've been given and with the roles we've been given. So, so far we've looked at that. So what is it sometimes that stops us from being content? There are certain barriers that Satan puts in our life to try to stop us from being used, to try to stop us from really shining. And we're going to go over them. There's three of them. The first one we're going to look at is greed. Greed is a really strong desire for more. We're always wanting more. It seems like everywhere we look, it seems like people have so much. And we feel like it's never enough. We talked a little bit about that last year. And in fact, God thought that this was such a huge problem, it's such an issue of the heart, that he even made it one of the Ten Commandments when he says, don't covet. How did this all begin? Some say it started when the Sears catalog came out. They say pioneer women were really happy. They thought that they just had everything they needed until the Sears catalog came into their house. And pretty soon men had big problems because their wives just kept wanting more and more and more. And it just seemed like with every page there were more things that they just wanted. And, um, 
as I said, it just seems like we're in this never enough mentality. We have to remember that everything belongs to God. And um, he wants us to use what he has given us for his glory. It's not just for our purpose and for our own fulfillment. He wants us to be thankful, to be grateful. And what I have told people, if you have a problem with uh, discontent or, or greed in this area, really pray that God will remove that. And I urge you to go on a mission trip if you have the opportunity because that too will change your whole perspective. The second one is a faulty focus. Many women today, they don't even know why they're here. Sometimes we just get caught up and we're living day to day like a dot to dot life. And we just think, oh, it's going to get better next week, next year, in 10 years. We have no idea what our purpose is or what we're doing here. We wait. We wait for the right man to come along. We wait for a baby. We wait for this or that. And in the meantime, we're just waiting, and time is passing by. And we haven't done anything with our lives. 3,000 people were asked, what do you have to live for? 94% said that they were simply enduring the present while waiting for the future. We need to ask ourselves, are you living life with a tomorrow focus? Are you in the waiting mode? Some of us walk as if we're in a fog when it comes to becoming women that we want to be. We spend more time planning our summer vacations than we do planning our lives. We must live as women who know the meaning of our purpose in our life. We must correct our faulty focus and become women of purpose. Our purpose for life is continually in progress. It changes. As God brings more and more responsibilities into your lives, it changes. A good way to begin is with the purpose statement. And that's something I hope that we have time for you all to do today. And if you don't today, I really want to encourage every one of you to write down what your purpose statement will be. And I'm going to read to you an example of a lady who had a purpose statement that I think is just wonderful. Her name was Phyllis Stanley. And she went through university walking in a fog, not living her Christian life as she could. And one day she realized that she had been in school for years and she had not been shining as she should. And she prayed fervently to God to show her how she can be used and how she can do better. And he told her, you have to have a purpose. And this is what she wrote. I want to live my life very purposefully, regularly reviewing and praying over my purpose in life, loving God contensely, cherishing and inspiring my family, praying for and keeping connected spiritually with them and my friends, loving women, and seeking to lay spiritual foundations in other women's lives. I want to live faithfully, believing God for what I cannot see. I want to have faith. I want to believe that God can do in the lives around me what I can't do. I want to live creatively. I want to create beauty and warmth in my home, around my table, and in my Bible study. Creativity adds sparkle to a focused, purposeful life. I want to go against my selfish nature, against our culture, giving a little bit more than I feel like giving, going the second mile. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be used. So I want you all to take time to really think, what does God have for you? And on the worksheet, you're first going to go through, what is your life situation like? And then you're going to write down, what is your frame? How can God use you? 
Thirdly, you're going to write out what are your roles. And then I want you to seek God's wisdom and find out what does he really want you to do? What is his purpose for you? Only you can find that out from God. A question I want you to think about when you write that is, what do you want to be like when you're 80 years old? What do you want to be remembered for? Do you want to be like that lady that I talked about earlier that she's an old lady and she has lived her whole life not doing much because she always wished that she was somebody else or thought that she was gypped? So think about that. Do you want to be a woman of contentment, a woman of wisdom, a woman of godliness? The second question that I want you to ask is, how are you going to become that woman? And it, begun, it beca- um, begins with a deeper knowledge of God's character. To maintain focus in the grind of daily living, picture yourself as a tree. The trunk represents your relationship with Christ. The limbs represent major areas of God-given responsibility, such as your family, your job, school, different ministries, personal development. The branches of the tree are the activities and the opportunities that you have in life that you will experience. Sometimes the activity branches mushroom and multiply, obscuring the trunk and the limbs. When this happens, we will feel trapped, frustrated, and empty. You must go beyond defining life by the activities that are going on around you. You must focus not on the branches, but on the trunk and the limbs. Three or four times a year would be good to reevaluate your life and the activities and your schedule and to set new directions for the months ahead. See if you're still living that life and shining as you should. Spend time reading the Bible, praying and worshiping the Lord. This time will enable you to focus on the things that you should, the things that are above. The next thing that we're going to learn about the third thing that will hinder us sometimes are focusing on the ifs, the what-ifs, and the whys, and worrying. If you ask women what they worry about, often they'll say everything. When we worry, we're saying God can't. If we're walking in anxiety, we're not living in faith. We want to be women of faith, yet we often worry so much. I know, like when I was um, first married, if my husband wasn't home on time, I was already planning his funeral. I can't even tell you how many funerals I had planned like over the years, but I've had to learn that I just it doesn't make any sense to worry. Most of the stuff that you worry about never happens. Many hours of our days are spent worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over and things that will never happen. Nine times out of ten, worrying about the things just as damaged to our body. It doesn't accomplish anything. Life is full of potential problems and pain, but we do have a choice. We can either worry about it or we can trust God. We can't do both. Sometimes waiting for, some, for a potential disaster to happen is worse than the actual disaster. What-ifs will either drive us to God and faith, or they will drive us to worry and dependence on ourselves. God gives us peace and contentment. Worry gives us illness and misery. Ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can possibly happen? Prepare to accept it if you have to, and then calmly proceed to improve on the worst. Queen Esther did this. She had the right attitude. She faced the possibility of death, but she gave her situation to God, and she said, if I perish, I perish. The if-onlys in life. We say, if only. If only I hadn't done that. If only I hadn't said that. 
If only my situation was different. We allow it to go through our minds over and over again. We dwell on what we don't have instead of on what we do have. We become discontented with what God has given us. And again, we lose perspective and we cripple ourselves spiritually. So I want you also to think about what are the what-ifs in your life. Are you saying, if only I had this talent, if only I didn't have this pain, if only I was married, if only I had a different career? So you can look at that and pray about those things. If God wants you to change, he will. And if he wants the situation to change, he'll make it change. But don't worry and don't dwell on that. Here's what someone wrote when they were in great pain. In time of trouble, I first say, he brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this place and that I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then say, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me lessons that he intends me to learn and working in me the grace that he means to bestow. And last say, in his good time, he can bring me out again. How and when, he knows. Therefore, I say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, for his time. The only thing God wants us to do is to have faith and to believe in that. Trusting in God, waiting in his time, it works. And if you do that, you will shine. And I just want to share with you an experience that I had um, just a couple of weeks ago. It's really amazing how God works. As I was preparing for this, um, I learned a lot. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I got together with a lady that lives nearby. And she was married. And when she was pregnant with her fourth child, um, her husband, who was in the airport, in the Air Force, his plane went down and he was killed. So she was left with four children. She did remarry, and they had a child together. Um, within the last six years, her son first died of cancer. Her second daughter died of cancer. Right now, she is waiting. Her third daughter is dying of cancer. I went to her house to help her out a couple weeks ago, and I went to help her do some cleaning. She's been really, really busy going to the um, hospitals. And when I got there, she was just crying. And I just, she came and she showed me the pictures of her daughter. And I said, Lord, how can I possibly comfort this lady? And she's not a Christian. What can I say to her? And I proceeded to do my work, and I just was really praying that God would give me the words that if it was his will, that I could share something with her. And um, when I was finished with the work, I sat down with her just for a minute. And we proceeded to talk for an hour. And I was, she said, um, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I was able to share scriptures with her one after the other. They just came tumbling out from the things that I had learned. And I said, I can't give you any comfort. Only God knows what, you can go, what you're going through, and only he can give you comfort. And she's so bitter because of the whys, and she's angry, and she said, I know I am, but I don't know what to do. And she said, you have such a peace and a calm, and you have these words, like these, these scriptures. She said, you are so fortunate. And I said, they're there for you too. They're in God's word. They're for everyone. They're not just there for me. And she says, but you know what? I was raised Catholic, and I'm not allowed to read the Bible. And I shared these scriptures with her, and I wrote them out, and I said, well, you know what? The word is there for everyone, and that's the only way that you're going to find 
any kind of peace in this. And I really encourage you to do that, to seek God, because he's the only one that can calm your anxious heart. And her daughter, who is dying, she's, she may actually have passed away by this point. She said she's scared to death. Um, well, scared to death, but I said, you know what, you can just also share this with her as well. And, um, you know, I had to leave, but I've really been praying for her. Her name is Moira, and um, they aren't sure if it's genetic. Her fourth child may end up having cancer as well. Only time will tell within the next year or so. But we have such a special gift. Most of you in here were raised in a Christian home, and sometimes we take it for granted. And we just get caught up with this world's mentality of being discontent. Let's not do that. We have such a special gift. We have something that we can turn to. We can turn to God's word. We can turn to God anytime. And we can be used and we can shine in this world where we are really needed. So I thank you so much for being here again today. It's such an honor and a privilege to talk to you all. Um, I do have these sheets that we're going to pass out. I hope you don't mind doing this. Sometimes when we do a worksheet right after doing a topic, it stays with you, and you'll be able to also have this to keep. Um, on the first page, just really briefly, you'll be able to see what you need to write out. On the purple paper, write out your purpose. If you don't feel like doing that now, if you want to do that in some quiet time, I do urge you, please do that so that you can see what God's plan is and pray, pray daily that God will help you to do that. And if you have just become a new Christian, if you've just accepted Christ um, recently, that is a new role as well. And go through with it, follow through with it, and be used in that. Continue to shine. Don't let Satan discourage you with that by telling you that you're not good enough or that you don't have a purpose or a role or importance. So thank you, and um, I'll have you two, if you want to help me pass them out. Um, does anyone have any questions or comments while the papers are getting passed out? Again, if you would like to talk to me um, in private later on in the week or through email or anything, I'm always available if you would like to do that. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you all have a wonderful week.